Hey, good afternoon, Joyce. How are you doing? Good. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you so much. Um, so basically, uh, I'll introduce the podcast off. I'll introduce yourself, and we'll just go in and we'll have a conversation for about 20 or 25 minutes, okay? Okay, cool. All right, perfect. Good, good evening, everybody. This is Bubba's Bodyguard Podcast, available on all major podcast platforms. Today, I'm blessed to have Joy Sweet J of the Harlem Globetrotters along here with me. How are you doing today? I'm great. How's it going? It's good. Thank you so much. Um, you know, can you kind of touch on us, uh, Joyce, about, you know, um, you know where you're from and, and a bit about your upbringing and eventually how you get started with playing basketball? Sure. I actually was born in uh, Edmond, Oklahoma. I mm-hmm. lived there for three years. So when I turned three, I uh, moved to Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex area, went to high school there, uh, finished there, went to Texas State University, so pretty much stayed in Texas, um, played, uh, got a scholarship there to mid-major Division One, and um, you know, I started playing basketball at 10 years old and uh, started playing against boys. So I guess from 10 years old, um, that's when the WNBA started. And I sort of was like, man, that's what I want to do. That's where, where I want to be at. And it was a great opportunity to see um, women in the field, uh, you know, playing basketball professionally on a high level, whereas before all I had to look up to were men. So, right. um, my favorite player growing up before the WNBA started was uh, Allen Iverson. Um, and then, of course, I fell in love with the Houston Comets players, uh, Cynthia Cooper, Cheryl, Cheryl Swoops, and Tina Thompson. Um, so then just after Texas State, I uh, got opportunity to play in the WNBA for San Antonio. And then after that, I uh, played overseas and for the national team for Nigeria. Both of my parents are Nigerian. Uh, then uh, got the opportunity to play with the Globetrotters. Absolutely. And, um, you know, you've had uh, a lot of proud moments along your journey, you know, such as uh, the 12th female player um, in the 89 year history uh, of the real famous Harlem Globetrotters. You know, like you touched on, you've been to the the national team and you played in WNBA. What would you say is your proudest moment that stood out above all others with basketball? Um, I think each phase in my life played a unique role Mm -hmm. um, leading up to you know, the last phase, which was uh, in my playing career, which was uh, national team and also uh, the Harlem Globetrotters, I was able to do both at the same time. So that was great. Um, and I would say the most unique um, of all was probably the Globetrotters because at that point I was playing and entertaining at the same time. Uh, whereas, you know, your whole life you're just playing, trying to get stats and and looking for that next level, you can go from high school, you know, then to college and from college, trying to get your stats up, trying to get to the pros. Um, there's just a different level of entertainment um, that I was able to do and show my personality uh, with the Globetrotters. Absolutely. And uh, obviously you've learned a lot throughout your journey. You know, you touched on your college experience and you touched on, uh, you know, many of your, your achievements. Uh, if you could just say one thing, though, what was the thing that you learned most throughout your journey? Um, definitely to embrace adversity because um, even from high school, you know, I wasn't ranked out of high school going into the college. I had wanted to go to some top schools like Duke and Oklahoma, and those letters weren't coming in. And, you know, I ended up going to Texas State um, and playing a lot of minutes there and had a great experience there. And then I was my senior year, I wasn't drafted uh, into the WBA. So, uh, I didn't know, you know, where my career was going to go, but I, I got a call to come to training camp. So um, that was a different process than most um, that get drafted. So I had to work my way into that. Uh, in the WNBA, I got cut, and that was something that I had never experienced with basketball. Um, 
and just realizing, you know, it's a business and not necessarily that you aren't talented enough. Mm-hmm. It's just different teams need different uh, parts that fit their puzzle. So um, that was another time where, you know, there were just challenges and stumbling blocks uh, in each phase of my basketball career. And then finally just sticking with it, sticking with it, um, got to the uh, Heartland Globetrotters and played for a national team uh, where I got to, you know, represent 180 million people. I did that for 10 years. So, uh, you know, just not giving up and accepting those challenges and knowing that uh, your journey is unique for you. Had I not played at Texas State, um, I probably wouldn't have gone to the WNBA because the coach said I literally came to watch you because we were 45 minutes away uh, since you were a sophomore at Texas State. So, you know, San Antonio Summer Stars is only 45 minutes from me going to my college. And, you know, the whole time I'm like, Man, I wish I went to Duke. I went to I wish I went to UConn or you know some of those bigger name schools. Uh, but understanding that that journey was uniquely uh, placed for me, and it all worked out for a greater good. You know, even getting on the Globetrotters, um, the way I got on there was uh, there was a guy that I went to college mm-hmm. with that was on the team at Texas State. So uh, had I not gone there, I might have not even gotten the opportunity to be a Globetrotter. So um, it all works out at the end. If you Absolutely. And what would you say uh, were some of your favorites, uh, some of your favorite things about being a Harlem Globetrotter? Uh, Some of my favorite things, uh, definitely the road trips Mm -hmm. with the guys. That was a unique team because I was the only female on the team. So um, I had a whole bunch of brothers. They were very protective. And it was cool because I got to learn from a lot of the veterans. And I didn't come in there knowing how to spin the ball on my finger. So I was sort of nervous, you know, getting in, getting on the team because I didn't know what was to be expected. Obviously, the golf players are known for spinning the ball in their finger and doing all kinds of uh, cool tricks and putting smiles on people's faces. So it was just um, a learning process for me, and but it was very fun. Like I got to, you know, talk to the metal, uh, not metal arc. Uh, he actually passed mm-hmm. the year that we were supposed to meet him, but Curly Neal, I got to sit on the bench with him and and pick his brain about when he started and what his journey was like. And some of our coaches at the time um, were legends, you know, and so just being a part of history, I think that's, that's just really exciting. Uh, absolutely. And what, what would be your encouragement to any young lady that would come across this podcast or would be listening, uh, you know, as far as how hard you have to work if you want to make it to the WNBA or Harlem Globetrotters to be a professional athlete? What would you say to them? I would say, first of all, you know, you got to speak it into existence. Mm-hmm. Like I told you, um, when I was 10 years old, I said I wanted to play at that level. So the first thing is actually believing in it. And the second main thing is the confidence. Um, you can work on your skill as much as you want, but if you look at the great players, not only did they work on their skills um, infinitely more than your average Joe, mm-hmm. um, but they also had immense confidence in their ability so um you could work on your skill obviously I think what set me apart uh from others in college definitely was I would put in an extra 45 minutes um into my individual skill work uh, more than my teammates after we would have a two to three hour practice and you can see that little 45 minutes a day um you know like it got my three-point percentage up I was more efficient and so working on your skill and then knowing that because I'm putting in extra work, I'm now confident in what I can do and my ability on the court. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think that transfers in any, not just sports, just in anything you're doing. Um, I say to the boardroom, women in the boardroom um, that are in male-dominated industries, you know, just being confident in your skill and in who you are and what you have to bring to the table. Absolutely. And, um, you know, you, I see that you do some motivational speaking. Can you touch on that and just the importance of how, uh, you know, how important that is that we inspire and motivate our youth and, and just speak, you know, uh, to them and, uh, you know, a- encourage them in, in their dreams and, uh, you know, along their route? Well, I definitely think it's very important. Um, I think it's just my purpose to pour back uh, into especially youth and girls um, because of there were things I didn't know growing up. There were people that I didn't have as role models that I was like, man, I wish I was able to uh, have them come talk to me. You know, like the people I told you I idolized um, in the WNBA or even NBA, uh, I wasn't able to have any access to them. And back then there wasn't like YouTube where you get to watch clips over and over and social media and stuff like that. So I think just um, being relatable and showing like it wasn't just a, like a, a story of, oh, success, success, success at every, uh, I guess, point in my life. There was a lot of adversity that I had to adhere and um, overcome. So I think that makes me relatable to your everyday person and and hopefully hearing my story can encourage someone who maybe was on the brink of entering a sport or, you know, going after their dreams. Hopefully hearing my story can push them and motivate them uh, to do that. I speak on embracing adversity. I speak on uh, women empowerment, um, leadership, and just uh, having, like, sticking your course, your purpose in life, and knowing that early and, 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 and sticking to that and contributing that back into the world, using your gift to contribute to the world. So uh, I think my gift was basketball and entertainment, and I was uh, lucky enough to do that for a long time. And now I can still entertain. Uh, I still add, like, some Globetrotter-esque uh, tricks in entertainment when I do speak. So um, there's that point, part to it in my uh, personality. So it's, you're getting a message as well as entertainment. So um, I, I'm blessed to be able to absolutely and you know uh, with the globetrotters and just uh, along with your motivational speaking you touch on some important things there you touch on you know personality and character and, and those core attributes touch touch on how important they are that you know even if somebody is a a uh, you know a kevin durant or uh, a lisa leslie that you still have to possess a high level of character you have to have uh, great people skills you have to have respect for yourself respect for others touch on that and importance on that Sure. I think it's uh, very important. I talk to youth all the time, especially um, about mm-hmm. their attitudes. You know, sometimes that can make or break you getting a college scholarship. I watched uh, where a player back when I was growing up, she was getting um, looked mm-hmm. by UConn, and uh, she had a terrible attitude one game, and the, the coach wow. dropped out. He didn't care about her skill set as, 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 if she wasn't coachable. So um, I think those lessons that you learn as an athlete – it goes a long way. And obviously, you want to be personable with fans. Mm-hmm. You know, those are the people that support you. Those are the people that keep you going, keep you in the business. Um, I remember some days, like, I was just mm-hmm. dog tired going into the arena. But as soon as I saw people, you know, either with my jersey on or screaming and shouting, and just that excitement, that energy translated to me and made me want to perform at my highest ability. 
because these people paid good money to, you know, come watch me, and it's a blessing to be able to be on that stage. I mean, people paying for you to just do what you love, that's just, like, unreal. So uh, I think that it goes a long way, and then you just never know who people are and, and what you've done to inspire them just by doing what you love and or, or vice versa. Maybe they've done something to inspire you, and I think that. I love people. I love to help people if I can, and I think that's very important, especially getting out in the communities. I do talk to uh, pro athletes, how important that is, and that goes back to the relatability factor um, and just inspiring and impacting people. Absolutely. And, um, you know, what would you say, uh, you know, to the young lady out there that has always been told, you know, there's been a hater, a naysayer, somebody that wanted to see their dream uh, or vision be dormant. And, uh, you know, coming from, uh, you know, somebody as talented as yourself where you just don't historically see it too often where a female gets to play with the Harlem Globetrotters and, and you, and you, you know, you made it and you, and not just made it, but you played at such a high level and, and you know, you really excelled in that uh, profession. Uh, what, what is your encouragement to them to, uh, you know, to really just focus in and that, you know, uh, you know, females are just as talented as, as males, if not more? Yeah. So you mentioned uh, about the haters and naysayers. I actually love haters because it, it fuels my, I, my motivation. Obviously, mm-hmm. to prove something to myself, but then it's like, man, if you're not doing anything that's worth, you know, talking about, then you're you know, you're not relevant. So right. if you have haters, then that's a great thing, you know. So right. um, use that as motivation to, to push forward. I always think about uh, even Michael Jordan when, you know, he got cut in high school. And, you know, they're, they're doing the Last Dance uh, documentary on, uh, you know, ESPN. And it's just fascinating to see his mentality and how he used that small setback to push him and propel him past what he probably imagined originally to be. Had he made the team, I'm not sure he would have been as great as he is now, you know, one of the greatest players to ever play the game, um, just because he, he was so fired up to prove not only to them but to himself that he, like how, what potential he had. So use that, push that forward, propel you forward. Um, growing up, I had, two, I had two Nigerian parents who mm-hmm. sports for them was just leisure. They kept saying, hey, why aren't you? focus on your academics, like just leave sports are just for fun, focus on your academics, become a doctor. It, it was only three things you could be as a Nigerian kid. Was a, it was a doctor, an engineer, and a lawyer. So if you weren't those three things, it was sort of like work. Um, and so um, even not having the full support growing up, but knowing that, you know, God gave me a talent to mm-hmm. uh, play basketball. And every time I tried to run away from it and, like, leave it, it kept coming back into my life. So I knew that was what I was supposed to be doing. And so eventually that I proved to them, hey, this girl, you know, she's getting college paid for. Oh, yeah, we're totally about this. And then, you know, it's getting on TV and, and representing the country, their country that they grew up in and my country, my ancestors. So um, things started blowing up from there, and they, they were, they've always been on, on board ever since. So um, that also kind of made me, you know, want to prove to them, like, hey, it does, I don't have to just fit in this box, in this category, um, and it helped them to think outside the box, like, hey, my daughter's talented in this, it seems that she loves it, uh, let's, let's support her. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, as you touched on, the, the Globetrotters is really such a an amazing experience, you know, for the fans to be a part of and the players to interact with the fans and vice versa. 
what would you say was your most memorable moment that you that you had with a fan that you really said, wow, like, you know, there was almost words that couldn't even describe that moment. It was so powerful. Oh, uh, it was definitely uh, it was a game where I thought I absolutely played terrible. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're globetrotters and we're supposed to make every single shot and every I mean, we're humans at the end of the day. So <laughs> I was like missing a couple here and there that I normally make. Right. Um, and I just wasn't as sharp as normal, and I kind of was down on myself, and I felt like I didn't give uh, a bunch of energy. But um, at the end of the game, I remember a parent uh, was with her daughter, and she said, um, hey, I just wanted to let you know, like, you are a blessing. Uh, my, I brought my daughter, you know, she was on the brink of whether she wanted to play sports or not, and just her watching you, she's absolutely fired up to go back to and try out for her team and, mm-hmm. and the fact that she called me a blessing and just kind of like gave me chills because here I am you know being selfish and thinking I didn't play well and right. you know something in that whereas somebody is looking at me and they're you know excited to see me play and, and thought I did no wrong on the court right. so um, you know it kind of made me feel like no matter what like even if my shots are falling the most I can control is my energy and my effort, mm-hmm. and I just want to always give 100% energy when I'm out there performing and even now when I'm on stage because you just never know who you're inspiring and impacting. Absolutely, and um, you know, throughout your journey with the Globetrotters, you've you've been blessed to travel. What would you say is the the the, the place that is at top of the list, though? Where, what is your favorite place you've ever visited? Uh, well, even before the Globetrotters, I, I played in Italy, so mm-hmm. I. I Italy is near and dear to my heart, but um, as a globe charter, I would say New Zealand was a very New Zealand and Australia were two very unique uh, opportunities that I don't know. Oh, actually, it was a tour that was New Zealand, Australia, and South Africa. Mm-hmm. So that specific tour, uh, I don't know if I would have ever gone to those countries um, had I not been a globe charter. And, and it was just awesome to see the different parts of the world. Uh, we got to go, or I got to go bunch jumping in New Zealand, and that's where it was originated. And then I fed uh, kangaroos in, in Australia and held a koala bear. And then in South Africa, wow. I went to Tip Top Mountain. So it was like awesome, awesome experiences that I don't know that I would have you know, done. Ab- absolutely. And um, d- during your time with the Globetrotters, was there another female that played alongside of you? Oh, yeah. There was uh, Fatima TNT Maddox and uh, Tammy Tea Time Bronner at the time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but we were um, all on separate teams. Right. So uh, I was the 12, and they were before me. So Absolutely. And if, if you could say one of them, obviously you, you all are extremely talented. Who was, a, who was another one that just really amazed you by what she could do on the court? Another female player? Yes, from the Globetrotters. Uh, oh, from the Globetrotters. I would say Fatima of TNT, mm-hmm. she was one that amazed me. Her handles are uh, very sharp and quick. and uh, I mean, she was a great college player. She played in the WBA as well. So um, I just really admired her, her dribbling ability. And um, there are some things that I, you know, just wanted to grab for her from her and she opened it up for us to enter into the Globetrotters again. She's a nice female. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I admired her for that. And um, I would think vice versa, her with my shooting ability. So there is a lot that I could take from each player on the team. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. 
And, and what would you say, uh, you know, throughout your journey, you touched on a few, but what would you say um, was like an obstacle or a roadblock where you just felt, wow, I can't get past this, or maybe you wanted to give up? And how did you get past that roadblock? Um, I think I mentioned that prior to when I was uh, speaking of, I, I think getting cut from the WNBA was a big one mm-hmm. for me. Um, that set me back because I had gone – Let's see, I was started playing ball at 10 years old. At that point, I was 21, so that's 11 years right. without getting cut from anything. And you're thinking, you know, you're the best in what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So uh, that kind of set me back a little bit mentally. Um, at that time, I was young, and, you know, you think it's because you're not good enough. And so I had to, like, channel my energy into a different mentality and, and being more positive and understanding the business and understanding that uh, – Maybe if I was on a different team, um, who knows? So maybe I would have had a, a, a different opportunity. Mm-hmm. At that time, San Antonio had Becky Hammond, who's the assistant coach for Spurs now, and I'm not, you know, she's a veteran and she she was a very, very, very good player. So um, you got to think of who's in your specific position. It was her, and then another veteran player at the time, Becky Johnson, who were a phenomenal, and you know they played on the team for years. So thinking in those terms, whereas you know, instead of, oh, you just weren't good enough. There just wasn't an available spot for your position right. um, at the time. So, um, but not, you know, staying encouraged and not being discouraged and, and continuing to play and, and sharpen my skills and trying again and different, you know, thinking outside the box, different opportunities. And that's when the below charters came about. So, sticking with that. Uh, absolutely. And if somebody asked you uh, to describe yourself, how would you describe yourself? I'm very goofy. I'm energetic. <laughs> I don't take life too seriously. Right. I love to be cheerful, positive person. Uh, I love everybody to have a great time, and I love to entertain. So I would say those are the words that would describe me. Absolutely. And as we get ready to conclude here, Joyce, um, what would you say is some things you're, uh, we can expect to see from you in the near future or some things you're working on in the future? Um, I definitely want to push uh, forward with my motivational speaking, mm-hmm. um, getting on some bigger platforms with that. I was fortunate to have an opportunity to partner with uh, SAP uh, for their Take Your Kids to School, their virtual Take Your Kids to Work Day. Yes. Um, so that was a cool opportunity. And just expanding in that, um, getting more speaking engagement and continuing on with my social media presence and in basketball entertainment. Absolutely. And uh, lastly, can you let people know where they can keep in touch with you? Where, where can they follow you on social media? Sure. They can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm more Instagram mm-hmm. savvy. Uh, right. At MissJoyce22, and that's M-I-S-S-J-O-Y-C-E 22. And that's the same handle for Twitter. Um, also on LinkedIn, if you just type in my name, Joyce Ekwamadu. Uh, last name is can be uh, pretty daunting for people, but I'll do a quick spell. It's K-W-O-R-O-M-A-D-U. Um, you can type that in on there, and, and you can follow me there. And www.jmoneytalks.com is my website. Uh, so you can kind of check out a little bit about me and uh, some things maybe that I didn't mention. I think I pretty much covered everything on the podcast, but if there might be some tidbits on there that uh, – someone can find out about me and if they want to book me for speaking games on there. Absolutely. And uh, one last thing, what was the most difficult trick shot you've ever hit, Joyce? 
Oh, the most difficult. Ah, uh, there were some crazy ones. There was one, we were on a roller coaster, and we were 150 feet in the air, and he had to make a shot from there. That was pretty crazy. Wow. Uh, there was another one that I had to make across the water. It was in Boston. It was off the Boston Tea Party boat, and uh, the basket was across the water. I don't even know how far it was, but that was pretty difficult, too, because you got to factor in the wind, the water. Um, I would say those probably were my top two right. hardest. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And, uh, again, you know, it was such an honor to bring you on here and uh, – you know, you're, uh, you know, you're uh, an inspiring, amazing female who has done so much for the sport. And, uh, you know, you're a part of history. And, uh, you know, may all your endeavors be blessed. And uh, may you be safe during this time. I appreciate it. You're so welcome. Much. Anytime. Thank you. So all right. Much. Take care. All right. Bye-bye.